All right. Have you ever done anything really stupid? Just think about it. Pastor Josh has, but he doesn't do stupid things anymore because he's wised up. He's gotten a little smart, gotten a little Jesus, and he's figured things out and got going, I guess. But have you ever done anything really dumb? Think about it. Okay, I got a couple of yeses. Have you ever asked dumb questions? Have you ever made dumb comments? I mean, we all do these things, right? I mean, uh, we, have, we run Alpha course every once in a while, and one of the rules in Alpha is that there are no dumb questions. Let's just ask Jesus that. Because Jesus dealt with some very dumb questions, and he dealt with some very dumb decisions by his disciples. And I think that it's fair to say that all have done stupid things and have fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah? Doesn't it sound a little bit better saying that we just do stupid things and they're sinning? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have made mistakes and have fallen short of the glory of God. All have, all have done stupid things. Our world, the world itself, is in the state it is in because of stupid decisions. Because of greed, because of jealousy, because of hubris. There's a, there's a lot of different dumb decisions that have led to where we are uh, as, a, as a species. Likewise, you find yourself in the state that you are in in your life because of stupidity. Here's the good news. Uh, well, I don't want to say it's good news, but this is the reality. Some of us are paying the consequences for someone else's stupidity. Oh, yeah. Preach it, Pastor Josh. My life stinks because somebody else has been stupid, right? Yeah, right? But again, like if we're honest, we have to look at, look at the other side of the coin because we all do stupid things too. So let's just take a look at this. We're going to be looking at... Um, Getting smart, because we don't want to be stupid. We're going to be looking at getting smart because we don't want to let the sin nature rule our lives. We don't want to let the spirit of stupidity rule our lives. Yeah. Jesus deals specifically with these issues. Now, like I said... Um, you know, if we're working with people, we need to allow them to ask dumb questions. And sometimes it's very difficult just like to bite your tongue. I'm like, you just said what? But listen to what Jesus says when he has to deal with difficult people. This is Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 15 and chapter 16 today. Matthew chapter 15, verses 16. A little bit ahead of it, though. Let's see. Uh, we'll start at 10, actually. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that will make him unclean. And the disciples came to him and asked, 
Do you know that the, what the Pharisees were offended by uh, when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, they'll both fall into the pit. Peter, we're going to be talking a little bit about Peter today. Peter said, explain the parable to us. And Jesus' response is, are you so dull? No dumb questions, right? Are you so dull? And I think that the translators have softened it a little bit here. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, Verse 16. Verse 5. They went across the lake and the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. This is uh, chapter 16, verse Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of this discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, and I think in there somewhere too is, are you still so dull? You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Did you not understand, uh, excuse me, uh, among yourselves about having no bread? Do you not understand, understanding of of the bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you do not understand? How is it that you do not understand? You need to get smart here, guys. How is it that you do not understand? I was talking about bread, but be on the guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you ready for this? This one actually does apply to us. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you want to put it into political terms, they are the far right and the far left. They are the conservatives and the liberals. And Jesus is saying specifically, be wary of the teaching of the dogma of the rhetoric of the far left and the far right. And what we know about yeast is that yeast spreads. Jesus is saying you need to be aware of the sin of this age. It's coming from both sides. It's coming from all around. And it will get inside of you, and then it will affect you. But the thing that Jesus is really trying to get across is, why are you so dull? And Jesus is literally doing the face palm. He's doing the face palm. It's like, oh, man. Oh, man. Why are you so dull? This is the practical thing. When we, we have to get smart. We have to get smart. We have to get smart. And unfortunately, like, like Jesus was working with these guys, and he couldn't just like lay hands on them and make them smart. They had to figure things out. They had to work the problem. They had to come to an understanding that they, they weren't quite getting the idea that Jesus was teaching in parables. They took him literally when he was talking figuratively. Oh, we, got, we don't have any bread. Who forgot the bread? You forgot the bread. I forgot the bread. 
And in our lives, there's several different approaches that we need to take. We need to take a practical approach, and we need to take a, a spiritual approach, and we need to take an emotional approach. And in the practicality, I want to encourage you just to take a look at your life, your whole life, maybe the day at lunch or when you're hanging out at home by yourself, you have a little bit of extra time, do a little bit of self-reflection and look at your whole life. Look at it in a, in a, in a, in a time-lapsed picture and think about all, this is going to be difficult for some of you, Look, think about some of the dumb decisions you've made and maybe the consequences that you're paying for a dumb decision. Some of the issues, some of the problems that we can solve, the points are really close. You need to begin to start like logically and practically connecting the dots. Some of our problems can be solved really quickly if we just stay inside of our bubble and we connect these dots. You can, you can solve your logistic problems. Like right now, today, you can begin to, to, to be a better manager of your time. You can be a better manager of your, of your money. You can, be a, you, can, you can just do some very practical things so that your life doesn't seem, I don't, I, this is all hyperbole, okay? So that your life doesn't seem so stupid. You begin to start connecting some dots. Like today, you can get some traction. You can get some victory. You can get some momentum. You can get some direction for your life. And it's all right here. Now, some of us have got to go a little bit deeper, and you need to begin to connect the dots that are a little bit further apart. They're the, 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 the dots that you need to connect from point A to point B, well, there's a lot of time, and then there's a lot of space between those dots. And some of us need to review our history. We need to go back in time. We need to fix some, some past problems. We need to fix some past hurts. But practically, that might mean that you need to go see a counselor. Practically, that might mean that you go see a, a marriage counselor. Practically, that might mean that you need to go back and forgive somebody. That either you offended or they offended you, and it was years ago. But if you start following the lines all the way back, and you see the state and the condition of your soul, and the state and the condition of your emotions and where you're at, well, that was the source. That ancient pain is the source. We need to get smart. Sometimes we don't like to face the little problems in our lives that are causing pain and issues. But Jesus is saying, oh, come on, guys. Are you so dull? It's all right here. It's all laid out. It's all right in front of us. And logically, with my help, we can solve these problems together. It doesn't have to be an emotional thing. It doesn't have to be a hyper-spiritual thing. You don't have to get baptized again. Huh? You don't have to have a religious experience again. Some of you just, you just need to go do a budget. Some of you just need to stay on track and, and work the plan of your life. Time management. Very simple stuff. So we need to get smart. We need to get smart. We need to get smart. Second thing. This one's going to sound a little uh, cheeky when I say it. It's a little flippant maybe. But we need to get Jesus. Like we, 
I don't know, of course you're going to say that, Pastor Josh. This is a church. This is a Christian church. And here's the good news about most of us that are in the room. Most of us have already gotten Jesus. We've got him in our heart, right? Aw. Jesus is in our heart, yeah. And we, we, we got Jesus. But just because we got Jesus doesn't mean that we get Jesus. Let me show you. This is chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Hmm? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Last week, John the Baptist just lost his head. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah or one of the great prophets. Jesus looks at him and says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And he's asking this to disciples that got Jesus in their heart. And yet, Jesus looks them in the eye and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon, I should say, answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So before, when Jesus' response towards Simon is usually a face palm, and now it's a jaw drop. I honestly believe that Jesus was astonished in this moment. I think his mind was blown. I think he was so encouraged. I think he was like, yes, Peter. Simon, that is. Yes, Simon. Yes. I think he got excited. I think he was like, you, not only do you get me, you get me. You know who I am, and you know what I can do. You get me. You know, you know what I mean by that? If you're in a relationship, like Mika was in my heart. She's my wife. I love her. But there's moments when we just get each other, right? We get each other. Don't have to say anything. Don't have to explain anything. Don't have to go to marriage counseling. We do go to marriage counseling. But we don't, we, but the moments, there's beautiful, glorious moments where we just get each other. Maybe relationships with like real people are kind of hard. Have, isn't it awesome when your golden retriever gets you? <laughs> right? And you come home and your, your, your pet gets you and you get him. It's an amazing thing. And this is what we're talking about. This is a, this is the spiritual connection that we have to Jesus. Again, we can understand it, we can get him into our head, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily get him into our heart. And Peter does it. And Jesus, again, like there was no, like I have a meme of Jesus with the face palm, but there is no meme with Jesus with the jaw drop. I looked. There's one, there's the face palm. 
right? They're like, ah. But there is no picture of Jesus with the jaw dropped. There's some, maybe, well, there's kind of something that's slightly inappropriate that I couldn't show in church. But Jesus is like, yes. See, whenever Jesus corrects, see, this is the one thing that we got to get. It's like when Jesus is like, are you so dull? You have little faith. Whenever Jesus says that, we need to realize and we need to read the entire text because whatever, whenever Jesus gives you a poke, he also gives you three strokes. He comes in and he encourages you. You can do this, Jesus says. He comes in and he encourages you. Don't give up. He comes in and he encourages you. Fear not. He comes in and he encourages you. Don't lose heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. Again, when we do stupid things, he'll probably do a, palm, a face palm. He's not ashamed of you. He'll give you a poke and three strokes. That's how good he is. Jesus, so here we're going to see Jesus encouraging Simon, and he changes his name. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Judah. <coughs> Excuse me. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So you've understood revelation. You've, un you've had a prophetic revelation of what is going on. Like your spirit got what was going on in this context. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys. You need to underline this if you're following along in the Bible. I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a big deal. Like, that's some encouraging words. What Jesus is doing in the discipleship of Simon is the first thing that he does. He says, you got it, and let's change your identity. You are no longer going to be called Simon. Now you're going to be called Peter because the statement, the declaration, the acknowledgement that came out of your mouth that, that, that I, the Jesus, is the Messiah, the Son of God, because of that declaration, I'm going to build my church. And because of that acknowledgement, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Simon, now Peter, gets who Jesus is. Jesus is the prophet and the priest. He is the warrior and he is the sacrifice. He is the lion and he is the lamb. He is the alpha, the omega, the first and the last. He is eternal. He understands the depths of the smallest atomic particle, and yet he is bigger than the cosmos. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. 
He is Messiah, the Anointed One. And that revelation came to the biggest knucklehead in the Bible. The biggest mess-up. Somebody that asked the dumbest questions and made some of the dumbest mistakes. And he, he gets the keys to heaven. What in the world does that mean, Pastor Josh? The church, us, our very congregant here, is based off his declaration upon that statement, you are now going to be called the rock, and I'm going to build my church off of you and off of that statement. It's an amazing thing. He goes from, frankly, doing dumb things, being stupid, asking dumb questions. He gets smart, and again, I wish I could teach how to do this. He gets Jesus. Amen? He gets Jesus. Some of us have gotten smart, got our lives together, pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, have taken personal responsibility for the mess of our lives, and with the help of Jesus, we've fixed some practical problems. Like, good for you. It's a big deal. Some of us have gotten Jesus on an intellectual level. We understand that he is the lion and the lamb, the savior and the sacrifice. And we even get him in our heart. Like we actually not only intellectually get it, we spiritually and emotionally and physically get it. And yet, we deal with failure in our lives. Anybody have that experience? I do. I have some good news for you. I have some really good news because you can still mess up. It is, it is something that you can still work on because Peter gets who Jesus is. He gets him at a deep level, and yet he messes up again. He messes up again and again, and this is what he does. From that time, this is verse 21, from that time Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chiefs, priests uh, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised again. And Peter took him aside and said to him, began to rebuke him. Um, okay, so what Jesus is doing, he understands who God is, and he decides that he's going to tell God what to do. We laugh. Have you ever told God what to do? Like, God, I want you to come and fix this. God, I want you to come over here and fix this person. God, if only you would fix this person, then my life would be a lot better. Jesus rebuked, or excuse me, Peter, the new guy, the new creation, rebukes Jesus and says, never, Lord. He says, this isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And, okay, so he got, he's gone from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my church upon you. I'm gonna, you, you. You get access to the, the kingdom of heaven. I, my mind is blown by the revelation that you received and now understand from heaven. And now he says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have the mind. 
you do not have in mind the things of God. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 17, the transfiguration, this is, a great, this is a great story. Again, we have a new person, a new creation. He gets God. He's beginning to get a little bit smarter. He's beginning to, to step into his destiny and his identity. And he goes up to a mountain with James and John. We see the transfiguration of Jesus. This is the, the revealing of who Jesus is in all of his glory. And in a moment's notice, the, 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 the Spirit of God shows up. Jesus' face lights up and his clothes light up. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear beside him, representing the law and representing the prophets. And it's an amazing moment. And in that moment of revelation of, of who Jesus is and in his glory, Moses vanishes, and Elijah vanishes, and Jesus is still standing, and it is, a, it is like he is the fulfillment of the law, of everything that is written in the book. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, anything. It's all written about him. He is the fulfillment of the book, and he's also the fulfillment of every prophetic word that's ever been given. He is, he is pure perfection right there. And, and Peter, bless his heart, has this bright idea. He says, I have a great idea. Uh, we're going we're to make a temple for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. We're going we're gonna to make this a holy place. We're going to get all religious all of a sudden. Let's build a shrine for what's going on here. Poor Peter. Because this time, God himself does the, the face palm. Like God himself speaks from heaven above, and he says, shut up. Dude, just, just Peter, be quiet. Shut up. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. It would do you good if you just listened to him. Huh? He is, he's the king. He is the king of glory. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the temptation, which we read we went a couple weeks ago, uh, Jesus is presented with all the kingdoms of the world, and the irony is, is he already owned them. So when we say that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and when we get access to heaven... Peter, see, Peter, Peter understood what was going on, and he knew and acknowledged who Jesus was verbally, but he, hasn't, he hadn't used the keys yet. That's why he failed. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is not only the King of our hearts, he's also King of heaven. And what is under heaven? What's under heaven? Everything. Earth. We are under heaven. He is king of governments. We think that Trump is our president, but in reality, Jesus is. We think that Margaret Thatcher is the queen of England, but in reality, Jesus is the king of England. 
Jesus is the king of Saudi Arabia. He is the prime minister of Japan. He's king of king and lord of lords. Jesus is the chief. He is the creative director of the entertainment industry. He runs Hollywood. He runs the music industry. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He, he owns that world. He owns the arts and entertainment world. And guess what? He owns all of it. He's even in charge and has authority. Hang on to your seats, folks. Of the adult entertainment industry, which falls under arts and entertainment, ironically. He's in control of that, too. He's, he's the chair of all media. He's the president of CNN and Fox News, LA Times, New York Times, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He's king of kings and lord of lords over all of it. Is this strange for you? Hard to get your head around this? It is, isn't it? This is what the Bible tells us, that who Jesus is. This is his realm. This is his domain. Jesus is the head of education. He is the head of healthcare industry. He is the president and principal of every college, university, high school, junior high, elementary school, and even preschool. He's the principal of every preschool on the planet. He is, he is the CEO of every Fortune 500 company on the planet. And he's also the owner of every small business in this community. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor Josh, I thought I own my own business. You may think that you do, but you don't. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is even the high priest. He is the head of the church. He's the high priest of the church. He should be the pastor, the senior lead pastor of every church. Hopefully, this church. All right, hang on to your seats. He's also he's also the high priest of every religious organization on the planet. What? All right, go with me. Just go with me here. Just patient with me. Could you imagine a world where? Jesus was actually in charge of the political process. Inside of politics, there would be places of peace rather than war, wrath, and division. If Jesus, was, if we actually surrendered, like if the governments, if the presidents, if the kings, if the prime ministers, if the senators and the congressmen, the congresswomen, if they actually would just bend their knee to Jesus and give him control over our governments, could you imagine what kind of world we would live in? Could you imagine if Jesus was actually the creative director for the entertainment industry? We would be creating art, we would be creating music 
so mind-blowing if Jesus was in control. Why? Because Jesus was the first and the last. Everything was created by Jesus, for Jesus, and through Jesus. If creative artists would just bend the knee and surrender their artistic abilities to Jesus, we would be creating works of art that would make Michelangelo and Shakespeare look like amateurs. And the things that we would be producing would be so beautiful and so glorious and so satisfying that the adult entertainment industry would put itself out of business because they'd be attracted to something that is much more satisfying and such more, such more beautiful. And then we would bring in our lost, broken, dysfunctional women and children that, that, that work in those industries. Amen? We could offer them something better. And church, we need to be able to receive them into our number. Because I think, that, I think that time is over. I think that there's a dullness that's going on. I think they want more. Could you imagine if the church in America actually bent the knee and submitted itself to King Jesus? Well, that's when we would get revival. If every church submitted and was obedient. Church like us. Not just like the big churches, but as, as the church, the body of Christ, if we submitted ourselves and were obedient to everything that Jesus asked of us, if we made our house a house of prayer instead of a den of thieves, that's when revival breaks out. But could you imagine a world, are you still hanging on to your seats? What would happen if Jews... And Muslims recognize that Jesus was Messiah. Would recognize and acknowledge that Jesus is the second member of the Holy Trinity, co-equal with Father. That he's the one that died for their sins. Not their good deeds and not their obedience to the law. Could you imagine what would happen to those religions if they were introduced and they acknowledged and they did what Peter did, they confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ was Lord. Could you imagine what would happen? Could you even imagine what would happen if Hindus and Buddhists, if they would reject the lie of karma? Do you know what karma is? It's a point system that says if you do good things, you're going to evolve into a higher creation eventually. You're going to be a better person. Uh, they literally, well, not, not, Albert, not you boil down into the, the fundamentals of it, uh, if you're a good gal, if, you, if you're a good woman and you do good deeds, then you get to, you get to reincarnate into a man. If you're a bad gal, then you're going to have to reincarnate back into your golden retriever. Could you imagine if those, those systems rejected karma and they found something much better called grace, the grace of Jesus Christ? Grace travels far beyond law and karma and rules and systems. Grace is so freeing. Grace is so multifaceted. The whole spiritual landscape would completely transform. Philippians 2, 9 says, Therefore, I have given all authority, I have given the highest honor, to him whose name is above every other name. 
Jesus Christ. Name above any other name, Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow. Every knee is going to bow. Every single knee shall bow. Every knee in heaven will bow to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. Every knee on earth is going to bow to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. And every knee under earth in Hades will bow to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. And every mouth will acknowledge that he is Lord for the glory of God our Father who is in heaven. We're all going to recognize someday, somewhere inside of eternity, every single creature is going to recognize Jesus as the Lord of heaven. So why not now? Your atheist neighbor will eventually have to bow the knee and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it might be on the other side of life. But why not now? We are all going to be, this is going to be, this is kind of a mind you know, job here, but we're all going to be worshiping Jesus in heaven for eternity. And that is with the revelation, that is with, like, we get to see him, we get to touch him. You're like, you'll even have the opportunity to stick your fingers in his holes and his hands and in this side. You're going to see the real Jesus. And we get to interact with him in eternity. But it is only on this side of heaven that we have the opportunity to worship him like we do now. It is the best. It is the best to be able to worship Jesus from the position of faith. When you're dead and gone and in heaven and in eternity, you cannot worship God from the position of faith anymore because he's there. Isn't this cool? This should make your worship experience a lot more intense. Like you should not, like knowing that you only have so many times to do this corporately on, on the planet. Wow, let's do this thing. Let's make it a priority. Let's make worship a priority. And we got to get going. We got to get smart. We got to get Jesus. And we got to get going. Meaning that He's given, He didn't give just Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven too. And here's the good news where we see Peter blow it, where he's like, you know what, Jesus, let me tell you what to do. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. And then where he blows it, like, let's make this all religious. Let's build some shrines. And God says, shut up. Blows it there. Here's the good news eventually he does get it, he gets it eventually. And by Acts chapter 2, he's, he's using the keys. By Acts chapter 2, he uses the keys and he literally unlocks heaven. We have an open heaven, the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit pours out on all flesh. And they begin to speak in new tongues. And it's just God is there. And it literally changes the world. Peter knew the secret. He had the keys. He's like, we're going we're to go after this thing in prayer. We're going to go after this thing in, in fasting. We're going to go after this thing in unity. And he literally uses the keys to unlock heaven. Do you see how much he's grown? Do you see how much he's matured? And we can do that too. Again, some of us have got, the, we've got our act together. Some of us know Jesus. Some of us know Jesus. But most of us don't. We, haven't, we don't have the keys yet. Look, Jesus takes the keys and he puts it in the Ferrari. And he fires up that Ferrari and he puts the pedal to the metal and he goes, 
fast, hard, and he doesn't look back. And he literally changes the world because he accessed heaven, because he knows who his king is. And we have the opportunity to do the very same thing. The gates of hell will not prevail against us when we get going, when we get Jesus, and we, we get those keys, and we get smart. The gates of hell cannot prevail once we get it. It's all there. He's given you the keys. He's left the garage open. He actually wants you to steal the Ferrari. He's made it for you. Unlike Cameron, your father is a good father. He's made and he's designed that car for you to drive so that you can live a life that is full. Jesus, the motivation for doing what we do when we do a spiritual life, the motivation is the cross, right? Since Jesus died for the forgiveness of my sins and he died for the forgiveness of your sins, that's the motivation. It's like, oh my gosh, he, he sacrificed himself. But that's just one side of the coin. He also died on the cross so that we could have access to the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't die so that we could just come and sit in church. He, he died and rose again, conquered sin and death, so we could dismantle the gates of hell with the Ferrari. He's given us a powerful commission. He's asked us to go. He's asked us to engage. He's asked us to step outside of our comfort zones. And he's so good. He doesn't face palm all the time. He's so excited when we declare, when we do, when we go. We take those steps of faith and we get outside the boat. He's so excited. There's probably not a meme in the world that could express how excited Jesus is when we engage him. I get the band to come to the front and ushers. Heavenly Father, would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son, Lord. God, I pray that you just give us a revelation of who you are. Again, some of us know you intellectually, but it is only through a revelation that we can get you on a deep level. And so, Father, right now, I pray that some of us that just don't get you, never got you, God, I pray that we would get you today. If you've never gotten Jesus on any level, now is your opportunity. Just raise your hand and I'll just acknowledge it and no one else is looking. I see you. God bless you. Get Jesus. I see you. God bless you. Get Jesus today. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that uh, everybody else, we get those keys. We access heaven. We access heaven here on earth. Give us that breakthrough that we so desire. Give the church revival, not just in America, but all over the world. Transform every government. Transform every kingdom on this earth. Transform our hearts, God. How do we make you the king of our lives? How do we make you Lord, President, CEO of our lives? Show us, Lord.
bless this offering to its fullest extent. In your name, amen.